Well, if you have a way to take notes tonight, um, we are starting a brand new series, and you're in on the first one. It's not Sunday, it starts Wednesday night, it starts right now. Are you excited? So if you're here on a Wednesday, you got to take some notes. Um, if you have a phone, take some notes, if you have something to write on. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this series, it's called 144 Hours. Um, now, to the layperson like you and me, that's six days, if I did the math right. If not, just, just go with this series, okay? And the whole goal of this, this message series, it's going to be five parts. It's going to be the Sunday, the Monday, Tuesday, we skip uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of Holy Week. So tonight, we're going to be talking about day one. It was Sunday. Some of us call it Palm Sunday. But it is the triumphal entry of Jesus, the, the week um, that he will be crucified eventually on Friday. Um, and so on Sunday, we're going to be talking about, uh, about day two, which is Monday. And so come on back Sunday for that. But um, I'm looking forward to this. But... So tonight, I want to talk about preparation. Have you ever had to get prepared for something before? A wedding, a child that's going to be born, a birthday party. That's all the talk in my house right now. Birthday parties. Emma's birthday is April 19th. Esther's birthday is May 26th. It's Esther's first birthday. It's Emma's 12th birthday. I know we didn't plan that well. It was a little bit separated. Emma the other day came and was like, Dad, when I'm, in, when I'm a senior in high school, Esther will be going to kindergarten. I'm like, thanks a lot. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for reminding me. And so anniversary, moving, all of these things, we have to prepare for them, right? We have to take time. And so for the past few weeks, actually, at our house, I have a list um, that we've been doing my... my uh, my dad and my stepmom are coming from Canada, and so we've been doing some things around the house to make sure we're prepared for them, and so to make sure everything is the right thing. And uh, I love the, co the U.S. Coast Guard's motto. They're gonna, you're going to put it up on the screen here, and um, it says Semper Paratus, or however you want to say it. And you know what it means? It means always ready always prepared. Are you always ready? Always prepared? No. Me either. Right? I remember uh, I've had dreams before. It's Saturday night. It's getting close to Sunday morning and I'm dreaming that I don't have a sermon prepared. And that has not happened yet. But if it does, I just had to open up the Bible <laughs> and God will show me. But we aren't always ready, always prepared. Being prepared is always our intention in life is to be prepared for things, to get set up like, oh, if I just get prepared, I can have a little bit of time off before the event or whatever it is. But then it seems like a lot of times we're doing things last minute. It doesn't always work out. It doesn't, it's not always prepared. Um, I remember when, when I was 18 years old, uh, my brother, myself, and a couple friends of ours uh, decided um, about six or seven o'clock at night that we wanted to hike a mountain the next day. 
So, yes, but the problem was the mountain was four hours away in another country. And so we're like, we can do this thing. So we, we packed up all of our stuff as quick as we could, jumped in my car and drove, and the other country was this country. So we drove from Canada into Maine to a place called Baxter State Park, and there's a mountain there called Mount Katahdin. It's the last or first, whichever which way you're going on the Appalachian Trail, that you end or you start the Appalachian Trail. And so uh, we decided that that evening we're going to go do it. So we get into the park because they held us at the border. Like, why are there, why are there uh, four 18-year-olds uh, driving this late at night? Well, we're just going camping, sir. And he's like, sure. So anyway, they let us in. And we slept in the car, and about five in the morning, we're like, hey, guys, are you awake? Yeah, we're awake. Let's climb the mountain. <laughs> so we get out of the car. It's September. So you think, hey, the weather's going to be great in September, isn't it? It is. But once you go from like 500 feet above sea level to 5,500 feet above sea level, it goes from um, great to uh, there's, the whole trip, we're like, where is everybody? There's nobody here but us. We got the whole mountain to ourselves. So we, we went all the way up to the top, and when we got to the top, I should have brought a photo. It would have been great. When we got to the top, it was snowing. We're like, we're still going. We're at, we're at the top. It's September. It's snowing. And I have a photo of us at the top, and we're all freezing. And my friend, he didn't bring enough clothes, but he somehow had a pink towel with him and had a pink towel around him like this in the photo. And we got to the top, we touched the thing that said we made it to the top, and we qu quickly went down. It was a nine-hour um, event. And so uh, it was fun. It was fun going up, but don't try to go down a mountain um, when it's snowing and icy. It's, it, it, you got to be safe. We were not prepared. But... Going back to the main idea here, are you prepared for Jesus? His final return, his second return. Because really, the triumphal entry is a little bit of a foreshadow to the final triumphal entry. And so we're going to kind of look a little bit about, look a little bit through that um, uh, tonight. And so let's pray, and then we're going we're gonna to jump in. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you speak to us, speak to the church. And uh, we, we just pray that we would hear from heaven in Jesus' name. And everybody said, would I trouble one person to grab me a bottle of water? I should have got one beforehand. I'm sorry. If you are kind, thank you. On Sunday before his death, Jesus began his trip to Jerusalem. Oh, thank you. He even gave me his. Thank you. I got one. I think. Sorry, Mike. Thank you, Howie. See, on, on Wednesday night, we don't have to be as professional. We can just do whatever we want. On the Sunday before his death, Jesus began his trip to Jerusalem, knowing that soon he would lay down his life for our sins. Nearing the village of Bethpage, have you heard of Bethpage? He sent two of the disciples ahead, telling them to look for a donkey in an unbroken colt. 
The disciples were instructed to untie the animals and bring them to him. Then Jesus sat on the young donkey and slowly, humbly made his triumphal entry. Look what it says in Zechariah 9.9. Hundreds of years before this moment. Look. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, slowly, not slowly, and riding on a donkey on the colt of the full of the donkey. Quite a thing to say five or six hundred years before Jesus was even born. Riding on a donkey. So what we're going to be talking about tonight was prophesied. If you don't know what prophecy is, is that's, it's foretold beforehand. God gives someone a word, and sometimes it's not even about future events. But in this case, it is. So today I want us to prepare our hearts, tonight I want us to prepare our hearts for Easter. Easter is a, an amazing event on the Christian calendar, isn't it? We get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Yes, Christmas is awesome, and so we, we were like, well, which one do we like better? And Easter really, and we're going to get there obviously in a few weeks, but this is helping us walk the same road a little bit, walk along with Jesus and walk through the week moving toward Easter. And there has to be a triumphal entry, right? The king has arrived. But unlike any king in history, he comes not just on a donkey, on the cult of a donkey. Right? Imagine if you're the leader or you're showing up somewhere. That's like driving in my gold minivan. You did not show up in a Tesla or whatever SUV that's really pretty nowadays. You're on a donkey. And when he comes again, he will take us home to heaven, but he comes later on riding on a white horse, and we're going to see that in a little bit. But let's, can we stand for the main scripture tonight? And I'm going to read this to you. And this is the first part of the story here. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Now, I'm going to pause there for a minute because not everybody knows what the Mount of Olives is. Really, the Mount of Olives is just the olive grove. And it's still um, called that to this day. If you've been to Israel or if you understand Israel at all or Jerusalem, um, and it separates, and so, um, so this is the Mount of Olives. Uh, and sorry, I'm looking at my notes. And okay, so let's let's go further on here. Jesus sent two of them ahead. Go into the village over there. He told them, as soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there, that no one has ever ridden. Now I don't know about you. And I've been around horses long enough to know, or a donkey, if that thing is not broke, don't get on it. Unless you are breaking it. But Jesus is that cool. As soon as 
Enter, here it is. Young donkey tied that no one has ridden, untie it and bring it here. Verse 3. If anyone asked, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and we'll return it soon. The two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street, tied outside the front door. As they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing? Untying that colt. They said what Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. You can be seated. So isn't that amazing? They have this um, crazy event. So either they knew who Jesus was, they're like, okay, cool, or who knows, maybe an angel showed up to them like he had, like angels have done in the New Testament and said, hey, there's going to be some guys coming. They're not stealing your donkey. They just need to borrow it for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen? So looking at this story of Palm Sunday helps us in our preparation, helps us to be prepared. I don't know about you, but I want to be prepared, not just for Easter, but for the final entry of Jesus. Amen? I want to be ready. I don't want to be like, oh no, I'm not ready. I don't know what to do. I want to be prepared and informed and one day we'll experience this amazing event on a much grander scale than what we're going to talk about tonight of the entry of Jesus. And when Jesus is making his grand entry, we need to be prepared with the first thing, a mode of transportation. Everybody write that down if you have something you're writing. First idea here is a mode of transportation. I remember when I worked at kids camp, there was always this, we had horses, but there was this one donkey that they just left out in the pasture all the time. And that was the loud, have you, do you have ever experienced donkeys and how loud they are? That's right, yeah. They're loud. For some reason, this donkey was so loud, I never really paid much attention to him because he looked really funny and he had big ears. He made a lot of noise. And I think a lot of people just think that donkeys are the laughing stock of the animal kingdom, right? And guess what, though? If we're going to be prepared for Jesus to come... We need to be prepared and be a mode of transportation for the gospel. And sometimes we're like, well, I don't know. This guy is like a donkey. But isn't it awesome that God will even use a donkey? In one, preparing others and transporting the good news of the gospel. Their name changed, obviously, in our American culture because we don't, the language has changed a little bit over time. If you get your uh, King James Version out, donkey's something different in there. But still the same. But the characteristics of a donkey, you'd be surprised to know this. Once their owner gained their trust, they would be willing 
a willing and capable com- uh, companion and very dependable, even more so than a horse. A donkey, if you can train the donkey up, then they will be even greater than even a horse. It says that they're actually, they actually don't work their best unless they trust the one that they're working for. Who are you working for? Once they feel comfortable with the owner, donkeys will do almost anything within their limits. And as a bonus, they need minimal training. Researchers estimate that a donkey was domesticated about 3000 BC, well before the camel. The donkey is more efficient than the camel or the horse when used in transporting duties because a donkey eats only about one quarter of the oats that a horse does. Now, I don't know about you, but if we were on a, uh, if, let's say your car, if you had a car, it's like, okay, I can buy this car, or I can buy this car that uses a quarter of the gasoline, which would you choose? Maybe you chose the big one, and now you're like, oh, no, $4.20 a gallon? Or maybe you chose the little one. But that's a pretty big deal, depending on what culture you're in. And they're being sure-footed and having excellent eyesight. They are capable to navigate rocky desert terrain and find paths that the human eye may not even be able to see. They will actually lead the way without having to be guided. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Donkeys. You'd never think that because not many people use donkeys anymore. And riding on a donkey was a sign of royalty. It was learned that the that riding of the donkey for entry into a city was an act of kingship. Whether you like it or not, we are a vehicle of the gospel, right? So maybe some of us at our workplace, we show up there and we act like Jesus, we share the love of Christ, we're the light of the world, or maybe some of us, we show up at work and we are not who we are at church. But guess what? Each of us are sharing something, and so what people may see of you, to them, that's what you claim to be the gospel. So you can share the good news, or you can share the bad news but you are transporting something, and it's important what we're transporting. A vehicle of the gospel. Okay, let's look a little bit further here in the story. Look at this. Mark 11, 7 to 8. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it, over the colt, and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments their coats, right, on the road ahead of him. And others spread leafy branches they had cut in the fields. It's a pretty amazing visual, right, at this moment in the story. Imagine Jesus for three years had been, had been healing people. He had all of these moments that we read throughout the gospel where they were lowering the guy down into the home and he heals him and says, pick up your mat and go home. And all of these other great things, feeding of the 5,000, there's a moment where he feeds 4,000. And the 5,000, if you don't know this, that was just the men. 
They didn't count all the women and children. There could have been 15,000. So this is not just a couple people. This could have been thousands of people because guess what's happening at the same time? All of these other Jews are heading to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. This is what they did. Every year they made this pilgrimage to Jerusalem, to the temple, to make their sacrifices, to pay um, their their part, what they have to pay to the temple tax every year. And so they're all heading into Jerusalem. And then guess what? Jesus is showing up. And he had probably been in most of their little towns and villages. Maybe they were there when he healed the man at the pool of Bethesda. Who knows? But they're all laying out their garments and spread out leafy branches, palm branches, the other translations say. And when Jesus is making his grand entry, we need to be prepared, one, with the, what we said before, and then number two, with honor. Everybody say honor. With honor. I know in our culture, honor is not a big deal anymore, is it? Right? Sir, ma'am. Honor. It's so important. And so at this very moment, these people are putting their coat on the, on the ground. They're, they're spreading leaves. And they're, this is what they're saying is we honor you. And now the church, as we prepare for Easter, as we prepare for the second coming of Jesus, guess what? We need to prepare with honor. Give honor to who honor is due, and that's Jesus. And so we do that in so many ways, don't we? Part of that honor is being part of a local church. It's saying, God, I believe in the local church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plant myself in a local church. I'm going to honor you with my tithe and my offering. I'm going to honor you with my serving. I'm going to honor you by bringing my children in and sharing the good news. And not just being part of the local church, reading the word. Sharing the gospel when we can. Being kind to people. Jesus told us to go out and treat people the way he treated people. So if we're not doing that, we are dishonoring the gospel. And so if we're going to be prepared and ready for Easter, we're going to be prepared and ready for Jesus' final, for when he comes the second time, then we need to be full of honor. Amen? And there's great moments throughout our week that we can just stop and we honor the Lord honor him when we're eating our food. Lord, we honor you. Thank you for our meal. We honor the Lord when we wake up. Lord, thank you for another day that we can do what you've called us to do. Lord, at the end of our day, we honor him. We kneel by our bed and say, Lord, thank you for this day. I honor you. It's all about you. Amen. So honor is a big deal. In Hebrews 12, Love this scripture. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of Christ, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. 
they're taking off their garment, their outer garment. Okay, they would have had their clothes on, and then a lot of times you'll see in like the chosen, you'll see this outer garment, they'll take it off, and they're laying it before Christ and saying, it's not about me, it's about you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to show it in a physical way. Now, church, we don't really need to do that physically, but we can. We honor God with giving of our time and our, our finances but we can do it in a spiritual way too. Look, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. If we're going to honor the Lord, if we have sin, any kind of sin, He's saying, lay it down. Lay it at my feet. Because He'll take it away. Isn't that amazing about forgiveness? If we have anything that's against the Lord, anything that dishonors him, he says, lay it down. That trips us up, lay it down. It says, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Verse 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor Beside God's throne, honor. When we honor Jesus, we lay everything at his feet. That's what this part, in part, what this scripture is about. Amen? Everybody awake? Everybody good? All right. It's about him. When we honor someone, it means we are honest with them. So maybe in a way, when we're honoring the Lord... We are honest with him. You know, Jesus knows everything about us. However, there are moments where we just have to say, Jesus, this is what I'm dealing with today. We have to be honest and say it out loud to him and say, please forgive me of this sin. And being honest is honoring. We strip off everything that and show that person or Jesus who we really are and being honest in his presence. Can we get behind that a little bit? And we also, when we're honoring someone, and in this case, Jesus, we also treat them with immense amount of respect. Right? We respect God's name by not using it in vain. Right? Ten Commandments is pretty basic. We honor the Lord by, because now we're the temple. Right? So in the Old Testament, the temple was a place where, where they would go and God's presence was only there. But when we became Christians, guess what? Church, we are now the temple. God has his dwelling in us. This building is not the temple. This is just a building. You are now the building of the Holy Spirit. And so if we're going to honor God, we need to be people that say, I'm going to honor him with what I look at, what I listen to, what I speak, and everything in between. And that is honoring to him because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
And then here's the last one. If we're going to prepare for his grand entry, the triumphal entry, if we're preparing for Easter, if we are going in that direction, number three, we need to be part of praise and worship. Look what it says here as we go a little bit further in the verse, verse 9 and 10. So Jesus was the center, in the center of the procession. Okay, so imagine for a moment there's thousands of people. And the people all around him were shouting, Praise God. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Praise God in the highest heaven. You know that heaven will be a place of praise? Anybody want to go to heaven? Yes. Right? And so guess what? If we're going to go to heaven, we need to practice our praise. Amen? Come on, I know it's a Wednesday night, everybody. There's not as many people here. Come on, let's, let's wake up a little bit. But praise and worship if, we, if we're going to prepare, we need to prepare with praise and worship. And what that does is it elevates God to the highest place and it humbles, puts us in a humble position to receive what God wants us to receive. When Jesus taught His disciples to pray, one of the lines was, Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let me praise and worship you like I was in heaven. You know, if you're a believer, you're almost there. Right? I believe the moment you get saved, you are getting that, getting a little bit closer to that eternity, right? Amen? I believe that when we worship, we get to experience heaven touching earth. I don't know about you, but on Sundays when the team is up here and there's worship, I feel just that little bit closer because I'm corporately worshiping with other believers. And someday there'll be a room, a big giant space that you will be able to, won't be able to see the end of it and the sides of it. There'll be that many people there in heaven Worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I want to conclude, and we're going to jump to a little bit of small group stuff here in a moment. But look what it says. I'm going to conclude with this because we've been talking about the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, day one, Jesus entering in, getting up, to, being prepared for Easter, but then also getting prepared for the final entry. In Revelation 19, look at this. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire. And now listen, I know this is going to be a lot for some of you that haven't read Revelation yet, but he's talking about Jesus. He says he's faithful and true. 
His name is written on him that no one knows but himself. Verse 13, he is dressed in robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were flowing from, flowing, uh, sorry, following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Verse 15, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. What is that sharp sword? The word, right? He's speaking his word. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He, will, uh, he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Now, it went from the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem before Passover to, whoa. And it's something that we definitely want to go, grow, go deeper in here in a little while, but probably not tonight. But I want to ask you, can we stand and then, and then we'll, we'll do um, a little bit of breakout session where we can, I have a couple questions that you can ask each other. But I, I just want to challenge you tonight before we jump into this. Is number one, I want to challenge you this. Be a vehicle of the gospel this Easter season, right? What, part of our vehicle would just be, hey, would you come to church on Easter with me? You know what? Most people will say yes. It's Easter, right? We've got those people, Christmas and Easter people. This might be their Easter. That that's their first one of the year, and they stay all year long. Wouldn't that be awesome? So grab, grab a bunch of these, invite people. Be the vehicle. That, that's just... That's just a little piece. That's just you saying, I care about what God cares about. Honor the Lord with everything. That's the second one. And then three, praise in all times. Don't you find it hard sometimes to praise God? Maybe it's a hard week, hard year. Maybe someone did something to you. But God's saying, praise. Be prepared with praise. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word, God. Thank you that we had this time to, to gather together. And I pray just as we break out into these small groups, as we ask these questions together, uh, that you would, you would speak in the groups. Uh, and Lord, that we would grow closer together as a church. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.